stamps.com postage on demand print your own postage shipping labels in seconds click instantly buy and calculate exact postage print print postage labels envelopes or plain paper mail affix postage and mail anywhere in the world give stamps.com a try get five dollars in free postage check offer details on stamps.com corporate postage solutions have more then two locations at stamps.com enterprise as a postage solution for you. Shipping solutions process and print shipping labels fast, easy, enjoy shipping discounts and more. Stamp.com US postage meters. The choice is the choice is clear. Stamps.com offers more features at a fraction of the cost. Approved license vendor of the USPS. Say big with discounted rates from USPS and UPS. Stamp.com is an independent vendor of the USPS and UPS. Here's how it works. Open Stamps.com account. Simply, simply click click the Get Started button to sign up for Stamps.com and get access to all the services of the post office right from your computer 24-7. Even get discounts you can't get at the post office. Try it out with $5 free postage. Stamps.com will give you four weeks to see if you if they are right for you. Stamps.com is so confident you'll like them. They'll also throw in $5 free postage to use during the four weeks. Don't pay unless you stay. Cancel your account online or call 1-855-608-2607 to cancel within the four-week trial period and pay no service fee. The monthly fee is just $17.99 plus applicable taxes. If any, including the first month, your service will continue uninterrupted as long as you do not cancel. Your 24-7 post office. Send invoices, letters, packages, print official USPS postage, domestic or international. No more guesswork. How much postage, what, what mail class, steps.com will figure it out for you. Eliminate trips to the post office. Anything you could do at the post office, you could do right from your desk 24-7. Do more than a postage meter for less. Avoid hidden fees, equipment insurance, and there's no extra hardware to buy or lease. Never pay full price for stamps again. Get postage discounts you can't even get at the post office. Customer support always ready for to help. Available by phone, email, or chat Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, not just for small office mailing, multi-location solutions, shipping solutions, warehouse solutions. Try stamps.com today. Thrivemarket.com, healthy living made easy. Guaranteed savings on your favorite organic brands delivered to your door. Healthy groceries shouldn't break the bank. Low price, promise, find a product cheaper elsewhere, Thrive will beat the price. Here's how it works. Build your order, shape, shop 6,000 plus wholesome products curated just for members. Never run out. Get recurring deliveries on a schedule personalized to you. You're in control. Easily add or remove items, skip a delivery, or pause anytime. Your new one-stop shop. From organic pantry staples to clean beauty to non-toxic home, shop by over 70 diets and values, including gluten-free, ketogenic, organic, vegan, thoughtfully sourced seafood. 
Thrive Market is aligned closely with key industry watchdogs to identify partners who catch sustainable and traceable seafood. For $5 a month, for a risk-free trial for 30 days, trust free carbon-neutral shipping. Well, that's fast-free carbon-neutral shipping. Free gifts and samples. Every membership gives to someone in need. Better for you and the planet. Ethical and sustainable sourcing. Carbon-neutral shipping. Zero-waste warehouses. Recyclable compostable packaging. Thrive also gives every annual membership. Sponsors are free. One for a family in need. Thrive's mission is to help make organic foods more accessible. Good morning. Here is chapter 12 of <coughs> Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House in the Big Woods. <coughs> Titled The Wonderful Machine. The next day, Pa cut the heads from several bundles of the oats and he and he brought the clean, bright yellow straws in to Ma. She put them in a tub of water to soften them and keep them soft. Then she sat in the chair by the side of the tub and braided the straws. She took up several of them, knotted their ends together, and began to braid. The straws were different lengths, and when she came near the end of the one straw, she put a new long one from the tub in its place and went on braiding. She let the end of the braid fall back into the water and kept on braiding till she had many yards of braid. <coughs> All her spare time for days, she was braiding straws. She made a fine, narrow, smooth braid using seven of the smallest straws. <coughs> she used nine larger straws for a wider braid and made it notched all along the edges. And from the very largest straws, she made the widest braid of all. When all the straws were braided, she threaded a needle with strong white thread, and beginning at the end of the braid, she sewed it round and round, holding the braid so it would lie flat after it was sewed. This made a little mat, and Ma said it was the top of the crown of a hat. Then she held the braid tighter on one end and kept on sewing it around and around. The braid drew in and made the size of the crown. When the crown was high enough, Ma held the braid loosely again as she kept on sewing around, and the braid lay flat and was the hat brim. When the brim was wide enough, Ma cut the braid and sewed the end fast so that it could not unbraid itself. Ma sewed hats for Mary and Lower of the finest, narrowest braid for Pa and for herself. She made hats of the wider, notched braid that was Pa's Sunday hat. Then she made him two everyday hats of the coarser, coarser, widest braid. When she finished the hat, Ma set it on a board to dry, shaping it nicely as she did so, and when it dried, it stayed in the shape she gave it. Ma could make beautiful hats. Laura liked to watch her, and she learned how to braid the straw and made a little hat for Charlotte. The days were growing shorter, and the nights were cooler. One night, Jack Frost passed by, and in the morning, there were bright colors here and there among the green leaves of the big woods. Then all the leaves stopped being green. They were yellow and scarlet and crimson and golden and brown. Along the rail fence, the summit held up its dark red cones of berries above bright flame-colored leaves. Acorns were falling from the hoaks, and Laura and Mary made little acorn cups and saucers for the playhouses. Walnuts and hickory nuts were dropping to the ground in the big 
woods and squirrels were scampering busily everywhere, gathering their winter store of nuts and hiding them away in hollow trees. Laura and Mary went with Ma to gather walnuts and hickory, hickory nuts and hazelnuts. They spread them in the sun to dry, and then they beat off the dried outer holes and stored the nuts in the attic for winter. It was fun to gather the large round walnuts and the smaller hickory nuts and the little hazelnuts that grew in bunches on the bushes. The soft outer holes of the walnuts were full of brown of a brown juice that stained their hands. But the hazelnut smell hazelnut holes smelled good and tasted good too when Laura used her teeth to pry a nut loose. Everyone was busy now, for all the garden vegetables must be stored away. Laura and Mary helped picking up the dusty potatoes as the pile dug them from the ground and pulled the long yellow carrots from the, and the round purple top turnips, and they helped Ma cook the pumpkin for pumpkin pies. With a butcher knife, Ma cut the big orange-colored pumpkins into halves. She cleaned the seeds out of the center and cut the pumpkin into long slices, from which she pared the rind. Laura helped her cut the slices into cubes. Ma put the cubes into a big iron pot on the stove, poured in some water, and then watched while the pumpkin slowly boiled down all day long. <coughs> all the water and the juice must be boiled away, and the pumpkin must never burn. The pumpkin was a thick, dark, good-smelling mass in the kettle. It did not boil like water, but bubbles came up in it and suddenly exploded, leaving holes that closed quickly. Every time a bubble exploded, the rich, hot pumpkin smell came out. Laura stood on the chair and watched the pumpkin for Ma and stirred it with a wooden paddle. She held the paddle in both hands and stirred carefully, because if the pumpkin burned, there wouldn't be any pumpkin pies. For dinner, they ate the stewed pumpkin with their bread. They made it into pretty shapes on their plates. It was a beautiful color and smoothed and molded so prettily with their knives. Ma never allowed them to play with their food at the table. They must always eat nicely everything that was set before them, leaving nothing on their plates. But she did let them make rich brown stewed pumpkin into pretty shapes before they ate it. At other times they ate, they had baked Hubbard squash for dinner. The rind was so hard that Ma had to take Pa's axe to cut the squash in pieces. When the pieces were baked into the Baked in the oven, Laura loved to spread the soft inside with butter and then scoop the yellow flesh for the rind and eat it. For supper, now they often had whole corn and milk. That was good, too. It was so good that Laura could hardly wait for the corn to be ready as the moth started to hold it. It took two or three days to make whole corn. The first day, Ma cleaned and brushed all the ashes out of the cook stove. Then she burned some clean, bright hardwood and saved its ashes. She put the hardwood ashes in a little cloth bag. That night, Pa, that night, pa brought in some ears of corn with large, plump kernels. He nubbed the ears, shelling off the small, chafy kernels at their tips. Then he shelled the rest into a large pan until the pan was full. Early next day, Ma put the shelled corn and the big uh, and the bag of ashes into the big iron kettle. She filled the kettle with water and kept it boiling a long time. At last, the kernels of corn began to swell, and they swelled and swelled until their skin split open and began to peel off. With every skin, when every skin was loose and peeling, Ma lugged the heavy kettle outdoors. She peeled a clean washed up with cold water from the spring, and she dipped the corn out of the kettle into the tub. Then she rolled the sleeves of her flowered calico dress above her elbows, and she knelt by the tubs. With her, with her hands, she rubbed and scrubbed the corn until the holes came off and floated on top of the water. Often she poured the water off and filled the tub again with buckets of water from the spring. She kept on rubbing and scrubbing the corn between her hands and changing the water 
until every hole came off and was washed away. Ma looked pretty with her bare arms plump and white, her cheeks so red and her dark hair smooth and shining while she scrubbed and rubbed the corn in the clear water. She never splashed one drop of water on her pretty dress. When at last the corn was done, Ma put all the soft white kernels in a big jar in the pantry. Then at last the, they had whole corn and milk for supper. Sometimes they had whole corn for breakfast with maple syrup, and sometimes Ma fried the soft kernels and pork drippings, but Laura liked them best with milk. Autumn was great fun. There, <coughs> there was so much, to wor- so much work to do, so many good things to eat, so many new things to see. Laura was scampering and chattering like squirrels from morning to night. On frosty morning, a machine came up to the road. Four horses were pulling it, and two men were on it. The horses hauled it up into the field where Pa and Uncle Henry and Grandpa and Mr. Pearson had stacked their wheat. Two more men drove after it, another smaller machine. Pa called to Ma that the threshers had come. Then he hurried onto the field with his team. Laura and Mary asked Ma, and then they ran out to the field after him. They might watch if they were careful not to get in the way. Uncle Henry came riding up and tied his horse to a tree. Then he and Pa hitched all the other horses, eight of them, to the smaller machine. They hitched each team to the end of a long stick that came out from the center of the machine. A long iron rod lay along the ground from this machine to the big machine. Afterward, Laura and Mary asked questions, and Paul told them that the big machine was called the separator, and the rod was called the tumbling rod, and the little machine was called the horsepower. Eight horses were hitched to it and made it go, so this was an eight-horsepower machine. A man sat on top of the horsepower, and when everything was ready, he clucked to the horses, and they began to go. Then he walked around. they walked around him in a circle, each team pulling on the long stick, to which it was hitched and following the team ahead. As they went around, they stepped carefully over the tumbling rod, which was tumbling over and over on the ground. Their, their pulling made the tumbling rod keep rolling over, and the rod moved the machinery of the separator, which stood beside a stack of wheat. All this machinery made an enormous racket, rackety banging and clanging. Laura and Mary held each tight to each other's hand at the edge of the field and watched with all their eyes. They had never seen a machine before. They had never heard such a racket. Paul and Uncle Henry on top of the wheat stack were pitching bundles down in, onto a board. A man stood at the board and cut the bundles on the cut the bands on the bundles and crowded the bundles at one one at a time into a hole at the end of the separator. The hole looked like the separator's mouth and it had a long iron teeth. The teeth were chewing, they chewed the bundles and the separator swallowed them. The str- uh, straw blew out at the separator's other end, and wheat poured out of its side. Two men were working fast, trampling the straw and building it into a stack. One man was working fast, sacking the pouring grain. The grains of wheat poured out of the separator into a half-bushel measure, and as fast as the machine filled, the man slipped on an, an empty one into his place and emptied the slipped an empty one into his place and emptied the full one into a sack. He had just time to empty it and slip it back under the spout before the other measure ran over. All the men all the men were working as fast as they possibly could, but the machine kept right up with them. Laura and Mary were so excited they could hardly breathe. They held hands tightly and stared. The horses walked around and around. The man who was driving them cracked his whip and shouted, Get up there, John. No use trying to shirk. Crack wet the whip. Careful there, Billy. Easy, boy. You can't go, but you can't go, but so fast, no how. The separate swallowed the bundles. The golden straw blew out in a golden cloud. The wheat streamed golden brown out of the spout while the men hurried. Paul and Uncle Henry 
pitched bundles down as fast as they could, and chafed and dust blew over everything. Laura and Murray watched as long as they could, then they ran back to the house to help Ma get dinner for all those men. A big kettle of cabbage and meat was boiling on the stove, a big pan of beans and a johnny cake was baking in the oven. Laura and Murray set the table for the threshers. They put on salt-rising bread and butter, bowls of stewed pumpkin, pumpkin pies and dried berried pies and cookies, cheese and honey, and pitchers of milk. Then Ma put on the boiled potatoes and cabbage and meat, the baked beans and the, the hot johnny cake and the baked Hubbard squash, and she poured the tea. Laura always wondered why bread made of cornmeal was called Johnny Cake. It wasn't cake. Ma didn't know unless the northern soldiers called it Johnny Cake because the people in the south there were fought where they fought. Ate so much of it they called the southern soldiers Johnny Rebs. Maybe they called the southern cake southern bread cake just for fun. Ma had heard some say that it should be called Journey Cake. She didn't know it would be very good bread to take on a journey. At noon, the freshers came into the table loaded with food, but there was none too there was none too much for threshers worked hard and get very hungry. By the middle of the afternoon, the machines had finished all the threshing, and the men who owned them drove away drove them away into the big woods, taking with them the sacks of wheat that were their pay. They were going to the next place where neighbors had stacked their wheat and wanted the machines to thresh it. Pa was very tired that night, but he was happy. He said to Ma. It would have taken Henry and Pearson and Paul a couple of weeks apiece to thresh as much grain with flails as that machine threshed today. We wouldn't have gotten we wouldn't have got as much wheat either, and it wouldn't have been as clean. The machine's great that machine's a great invention, he said. Other folks can stick to old fashioned ways if they want to, but I'm all for progress. It's a great age we're living in. As long as I raise wheat, I'm going to have a machine come and thresh it if there's anywhere in the neighborhood. If there's anyone, if there's one anywhere in the neighborhood, he was too tired that night to talk to Laura. But Laura was proud of him. It was proud. It was Paul who got, who had got the other men to stack their wheat together and send for the thresher machine. And it was a wonderful machine. Everybody was glad it had come. Thank you for listening to this episode of this chapter in Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House in the Big Woods. I hope you stay safe during the coronavirus pandemic extended 2022. As we look for a better one, as always, have a good week, and thank you for listening.